Are we on? Is this thing on? I think so. We're back. Hey, here we go. Yeah, episode seven. Episode seven. I got I my you... uh, Diet Coke. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. All right. Yeah, listen, I get my coffee right here. Oh, shoot. I, that's a that's product a rock placement. <laughs> product yeah, they, placement. They are not paying us. <laughs> I'm blurring this shit up. Just like the Kardashians. Nah. I'm just blur that out. Hey, man, I wanted to, uh, you know, last time we talked about your bandsaw woes. <laughs> so I, wa- I wanted to turn you on and the rest of the audience to a guy that I know who plays the bandsaw like it's a violin. He is the bandsaw virtuoso. His name is Pierre Luc Gauthier. Okay. Uh, I guess you probably pronounce it Gauthier. <laughs> and uh his his channel is called Brickle Logic and it's with a K, so it's B-R-I-K-O-L-O-G-I-K. I'll put it down here in the in the bottom in text. But uh he is on uh Instagram, he's got about fifty-two thousand followers. His channel is growing like a weed, and he puts out like just sixty second little small projects right that you can do with like blocks and and the guy is so great because one of the things i really that really freaks me out is how close he cuts to the line mm-hmm. without going over whenever i use a bandsaw I'm always like about this yeah. far away you know? give yourself a, a, a nice quarter inch <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly at least maybe a half so definitely check out pierre luke gautier let me know what you think of him will do so you told me a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. that, of course, you're a teacher. You told me that your kids have discovered this channel on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll wear my, uh, my, my sweatshirt to work today or whatever. And, you know, they, they what, what, what's inland wooden resin? And all right, well, I got a website. I got an Instagram. I got this. I got this. And somebody Googled it. They just, they, they Googled it. And my website popped up. Kids. And, and, yeah, <laughs> goddamn kids. Um, and, and, you know, I got the little logos and stuff on my website where you could click over to the YouTube channel or whatever. And they went down the rabbit hole. And they, it's oh, like, oh, gosh. Uh huh. And I was like, oh, crap. I'm about to get fired. I've said some shit, you know. <laughs> Oops. Does that mean we're going to have to stop swearing? Fuck no. <laughs> no, you should. I swear, you should hear the crap that comes out of these kids' mouths. It is like sailor putting sailor talk to shame. It is. It's like, oh my god, you you need to get punched in the neck for saying that kind of stuff. But they found it. They watched an episode. They thought it was funny. So we've done a thing. Way to go, guys! Appreciate right. your support. So your kid. Okay, so if your kids are watching. And they like videos. I want to turn them on to a video. Mm-hmm. So, kids, have you ever seen uh, Two Girls in One Cup? Oh. Ask your teacher about it. Because <laughs> is that even, can you even see your... that anymore? That is so bad. <laughs> ask your teacher about it. If you can't find it, he I'm sure he has a copy somewhere. Oh, my God. I remember when that was a thing and I was in Tahoe and I came back home because that was like before Wi-Fi was a thing. And I I watched that on my PC and utterly just I I can't believe 
this is a train wreck and, and you I had can't to stop watching. <laughs> and of course, of course, you had to throw it away and burn it. Oh, of course. That's what I did. You had to take home. a shower afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it was just so gross. Right. Well, I, I literally <laughs> dunked it in um, isopropyl alcohol for about three days. All right. So, hey, I just figured, you know, if they like video. So, let's see. Uh, next. <laughs> next. Yes, next. Okay. <clears throat> Viewer comments. Viewer comments. Couple I want to read because you know at the end of every show we do video spotlights mm -hmm. where we feature a video that we found particularly compelling, entertaining, whatever, and we always tag the person and we talk about them at length. And uh, I'd say about seventy percent of the time they either never see it mm -hmm. or they don't acknowledge it or they don't give a shit. Yeah, which is fine. <laughs> but this time mm. both of them did and so both i wanted did. to read yeah yes i wanted to read one-handed maker and this is a video that we spotlighted last time mm -hmm. if you haven't heard the last episode go ahead definitely check that out because it's in the, the link is in the description and it's uh well worth watching so it certainly made me smile when I heard your chat about me and extremely honored and proud as well to find my work is entertaining people all around the world. Much respect and thanks. Well-deserved on your part, sir. Well-deserved. Yes, absolutely. And building with Bobby, of course, he chimed in. I would watch Wayne's World on repeat as a kid. So, of course, I'm mental. That will do it. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> that, that, that will do it for sure. So, hey, there's one more viewer comment, and there's something we really just need to get to the bottom of, because I, I, I've had it with this. <laughs> Doug Prentice, he actually timestamped his comment at 6.15. This was at our, on our last episode. Okay. And this is when I was going like this, <clears throat> right? And he said, Hector, beware. Nacho swapped out your heart meds. <laughs> So there's this thing. People on this show have commented, and people on my channel have commented repeatedly that I somehow bear a resemblance to a character from Breaking Bad named Hector Salamanca. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like if I hear one more person say this, the next on this next episode, you're gonna do all the talking, and I'm just gonna sit here with a bell. And go like this, ding, 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 ding. That's all I'm going to do. Lee's not allowed to talk. That's it. That's the whole show. That's the whole show. Ding, 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 ding. Just ask me questions, and I'm just going to go. That I appreciate the deep cut reference. That is that that is top notch. But okay, you guys have to put this in the comments. Does Lee look like Hector Salamanca? Overwhelmingly, yes. <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> oh, I don't know. It's been a while since I've watched right. Breaking Bad. Yeah, I really, I, I, I really, I want to get the pork pie hat and be Heisenberg. That's what I want. Ooh. Start calling me Heisenberg. I, I'll take that. Yeah. All right. A little Walter White. So reference. anyway, hey, that that is viewer comments. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, you'll have to excuse the occasional coughing. I'm just getting over COVID. You know. I thought I skated so. I know exactly where I got it. You know who gave me COVID? Mm -hmm. Shania Twain <laughs> gave me COVID. Did you go to her show? Yeah. 
I did. I went to one of her shows. I went to the Austin uh, City Limits Music Festival, and I saw I saw Alanis Morissette during the day, and uh, she was great. And then I saw Shania Twain that night, and I think she was the one who gave it to me. I mean, I wasn't that close to her. You know, uh, if Shania Twain <laughs> wanted to give COVID to me, I'd probably take it. I would probably take it too. But, yeah. <laughs> she is like nearly 60. She's mm-hmm. 58. I had to look this up. She is a smoke show still. I, I'm not a big country kind of guy. I'm, it's not really my bag, but I would go see Shania Twain. Yeah. And I'm not either, I feel you know, like a woman. Kind of a <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how you know, look. I'm the manliest guy you'll ever meet. I don't care how manly of a dude you are. You cannot not sing that song when it comes nope. on the radio. Nope. Yeah. And you, you, you yell that you line to. at the top of your lungs, too. Of course you do. E- even if you are the most testosterone-ridden yeah. creature on earth. And anybody yeah. who says otherwise Maybe. is a damn liar. <laughs> a liar. Absolutely. <laughs> what is on your mind, my friend? Tell me. Talk to me. Oh, goodness. Uh, We have kicked around a whole bunch of ideas. But before we get to the two topics that we do have planned for this, I want to say this publicly about Lee's recent video on the Super Strut panel clamps. So I watched that video twice, once for enjoyment and twice because I had a batshit crazy idea. And it had nothing to do with what Lee was talking about and using it in his woodworking because... I never have any problems with my panel glue-ups. They're always perfectly flat. <laughs> but um, that that video kicked off an idea for me because, uh, I mean, you can't see it. It's dark outside, but it's starting to get cold, and we're starting to get some snow. And I had gotten three bids to put snow guards up on my shop. And all three of those bids came in at over $7,000. And I'm like, I'm not made of money. Okay. I do well for myself, but I'm sure as shit not going to pay seven grand for what I know is probably less than a day's worth of work. So I went down to my local box store and I, I scouted out all the parts. I priced it out. I went back up on my roof of my shop. I measured all the little ridges and stuff in between uh, the metal panels And wouldn't you know it that the little four inch uh, magnetic gold plated L brackets that they have that are already pre-drilled with the half inch holes, wouldn't you know it, I could pop one of those right next to one of the ridges, pull a screw out, drill a pilot hole, pop a big two and a half or three inch lag screw in there, and I can stack two of those super strut pieces on top of each other like so. And I've got snow guards for 250 bucks. A 40 there you go. <laughs> a, a 40 foot run. Uh, you know, each one of those brackets, I think it was like five bucks. So I needed 10 of them to do 40 feet. And I spaced them four feet apart. And then I bought all of the super strut. I, I haven't installed it yet, but I got it out there. And I'm like 250 bucks. And I got to get over my fear of using ladders. Not a big deal. You know, whatever. Right. So. I, that is still the, it, the endearing quality and beauty of YouTube is that you can see somebody using a tool or a material in a particular way. And with a tiny, tiny little bit of forethought, you can figure out, will that solve another problem? Of course, you know, using them to, for panel glue-ups is an unconventional idea. 
to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not what they're for. But um, but I, I do that constantly, right? Like, uh, you know, I'll look at things and I'll think, like, how can I adapt this? How can I adapt that? One of the reasons that I like to use Super Strut is that it's very versatile. It's drilled, pre-drilled already, and yeah. I don't weld. I suck at welding, right? So, <laughs> you know, you can just cut that stuff up and just bolt it together. It's all nuts and bolts, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's yeah. essentially a Absolutely, big kid's man. erector yeah, yeah. set if you really wanted it to be, you know? Well, that's exactly what it is. It's an adult size erector set, right? Yeah. And I've built shelves with it before and stuff, and that's kind of what it's for. But, yeah, but there's a lot of other things you can do with it, so... And and for my kids who might actually watch this show, an Erector set was a engineering to, uh, toy way way back in the sixties, seventies, and eighties when they used to make stuff out of metal and not be so concerned about kids choking on things. Just so you're, we're all right, clear. and yeah. we didn't have phones or the internet. Yeah, that was we, uh, we had to occupy ourselves. That was by how we using entertained our ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You had an idea of something that you wanted to talk about today, so why don't you uh, let us yeah. in on this? So we we've topic. been we've been kicking around this idea and and trying to find an avenue to put it in, and then you know life happens and topics change. But we wanted to, to not only discuss amongst ourselves, but also bring in the audience on this one of alternative ways or alternative streams of revenue as woodworkers as people who work with wood, because I feel as a viewer of content on YouTube and a purveyor of content on other social media platforms, that it's always about building something, making things, whether it be the the crafty route or custom commission furniture um, or, or the digital side now of like making plants, which I think we've talked about in a previous episode. So I just wanted to throw that topic out there because I think there's... Um, I think there's a couple of areas that aren't really discussed or explored by influencers, social media personalities, whatnot, in the woodworking world that are worth considering. So, um, you know. Right. So you mentioned custom commissions. You mentioned craft shows, Mm -hmm. which I assume would include online craft sales right like marketplace etsy that type of thing or or just through your own website yeah or sure absolutely or and you mentioned digital plans too another thing that i think is not well explored and i'm not sure why more woodworkers don't consider this if you already have the tools maybe consider expanding your niche right like finished carpentry or or closet builds or specialties like like taping drywall, floor refinishing. Those specialties, the first, they're hard to find, and second, they pay big bucks, big bucks, tons of cash. Absolutely, to find a good floor refinisher, or to find a good drywall taper, or to find someone who can do finished carpentry and actually show up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of ironic or serendipitous or whatever. I don't know if you watch the Wood Talk guys, uh, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Um, but they actually mm-hmm. talked about this in a in a slightly different capacity when they were talking about employees in the shop uh, of right. like specialty um, employees or, or gopher type employees, guys that are doing all of the right. stuff behind the scenes that we never really see. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think Mark was the one that brought up the idea of um, or the scenario of somebody was installing carpet in his basement and it took him like four or five days 
And he just had to ask the person like, you know, hey, I don't mind you doing a quality job, but why is it taking you five days? And his response was, we can't find anybody to work. And I think we're at a point now where this whole maker culture has become so pervasive and so big that if you are a crafter or you are trying to go after the custom commission, you're wasting your time when you have a quality sander and a dust extractor. Get yourself some friggin' knee pads and go and sand floors. It's fucking grunt labor, but there is a ton of cash in it. And I, I made inroads with our realtor and I've done three houses where I have sanded and refinished floors um, up here in Spokane. And I am strongly considering pivoting my business to that. I could do one yeah, house absolutely. a month and earn at least what I'm earning as a teacher, if not more in less than a week comparative to, sure. you know, a full four week month pay period. Like it's insane. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have a house, a decent sized house with all wood floors, I mean, you're looking at 10, 15 grand. Yeah. And, and that's if you're pricing yeah. yourself aggressively, if you're, if you're doing that. I mean, the three houses sure. that I did, I charged five bucks a square foot. That's a place where I think guys and gals, sorry, can look for extra cash mm -hmm. for sure. You have the skills, not necessarily the, the fine skills, but you have the general skills and you have and, the tools and the tools, right? <clears throat> right. One place I think a lot of woodworkers are trying to chase money that is probably for that purpose. I mean, I think it's fulfilling for other purposes, but for the purpose of earning supplemental income, content creation is a loser. It, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, both you and I have a couple, a handful of videos that have done reasonably well. And mm -hmm. we both know what that payout looks like. Um, it, it's not enough to earn a living it's off of. Yeah, it's not good, <laughs> right? It's good. The, uh, it's good if you want to use it in a way to make another piece of content. But as we both know, there's no guarantee yeah. that the next piece is going to be as successful as the first one. Um, sure. So well, yeah, I think and, people get into it thinking, "I'll make twenty, thirty, forty, fifty grand a year, and that'll supplement my social security, or that will be a second income." Yeah. Not in the woodworking uh, world. I wouldn't say that. Not in the woodworking no, world. No, 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 no. Once you get, once you're looking at three, four, five hundred k subscribers, you might be getting close to that. But for the average person, you know what I mean. Only a very, very small handful in this niche even get over ten k in subscribers, yeah. right? And it, so at that point, you're looking at a couple of hundred a month, right? Couple, you're not yeah. looking at a whole lot. So. I mean, which um, is which is nice. You might the, be able to fill up your your gas tank or something with it, you know, right, or, or buy right. some it's groceries. Coffee, but yeah, it's coffee money is yeah. what it is, right? And the other thing too is, and this is something I think when people get into it, they don't realize in terms of social media content creation and especially YouTube. YouTube can reduce your payout or even completely demonetize you, cut you off for any reason or for no reason. My very first Remember video, the, the very first video I ever attempted to upload got my channel blocked. And it was right. innocuous. It just said, hi, my name is Jared, and I like to play with wood. And da, 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 da. It was an introduction video. I didn't say anything outlandish or, or inflammatory. Instantly blocked. 
So everything that right. you see on my channel, that's actually technically my second channel. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, and there's nothing it's saying so, that they so can't it's, shut it's, me down now. And again, they don't have to tell you why. Nope. They don't have to give you a reason. It's Kafka-esque because the thing is, there are people who are literally relying on YouTube to earn a living and feed their families. And have you heard about this so-called invalid traffic bug? Yeah. 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 So this is when people wake up, look at their analytics and find out that their payoffs have been reduced by 70, 80, 90%. In some cases, all of their videos have been demonetized. Mm -hmm. The only reason given is we have detected invalid traffic yeah. to your channel. And, and you never well, get any kind of explanation of what that is. Never. No, the fuck is invalid traffic, right? Yeah. So, you know, people call it a bug. It, it's not really a bug. I hesitate to say that YouTube is doing it on purpose, but let's look at some facts. <laughs> First of all, YouTube is not profitable. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Nope. YouTube loses money. You look at their earnings reports for Google, and YouTube is buried deep in that earnings report, if mentioned at all. Right. It's not mentioned at all. They stopped breaking out YouTube revenue in 2016. They stopped mm -hmm. reporting it separately. Now it's just buried in the bottom line. When a company has a division that makes money, they put it on the cover of they, the annual report. They tout they, it. They don't bury it on page 37. Yeah. Right. Another piece of evidence is that YouTube has been nickel and diming. YouTube is literally searching in the couch cushions for, for quarters. Well, at this point, they're screwing they, over advertisers big time. They, and advertisers are pulling their dollars, which means YouTube's not bringing in revenue. Uh, YouTube is hounding creators to push super thanks, super likes, yeah. channel memberships, to go live, to do live streams, because live streams earn those super chats and super thanks. And, of course, YouTube hit, takes 30% of that. And that, that beta um, sponsorship program where you could, you could like, boost or what they claim to boost your own uh, video for a, a, no, a nominal fee. Yeah, I like that bullshit. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, you're putting, I, you're putting out a video so we will pay you. So here's what we want you to do. Right. Pay us to promote the video so that we can pay you. <laughs> it, it's geared towards guys like myself who are, you know, get frustrated when they think they make a decent piece of content that's going to get seen and it gets 500 views. Not that I'm bitching and complaining, but that's what that sponsorship thing is, right? It, it's geared towards me like, oh, if I pay 100 bucks, I might get 10,000 views. But you dig into it and where are the where are the views coming from? How much do you actually have to pay in order to get it? And will you earn it back? And the answer, will you earn it back? Fuck no. <laughs> Hell no. 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 <clears throat> no. So when it comes to content creation as a woodworker, I think you if you're going to rely on it, and this doesn't really just apply to woodworkers, this is anyone. I think you need to supplement it with other things. Merch, digital plans, Patreon. You know, you need to build a community. And it just, you know, you're going to create like digi other digital content in order to bypass what we all know to be true, which is custom commissions are fickle. Going on uh, being a professional crafter or a semi-professional professional crafter 
is just as financially irresponsible as trying to be a content creator. Um, I mean, we, you know, we've kind of ripped into YouTube a little bit, but another thing that I want to throw out there as an option, which I think a lot of people don't explore is the idea of bringing people into your shop and you actually teaching them. Well, you know, if you're a hand tool person, that's kind of a low liability way of going. It's kind of hard to lose a hand, you know, working with a hand plane. You know, I think teaching and bringing the community in is a great way to generate revenue. But I also realize there's a lot of liability involved. You're going to have to have insurance up the wazoo because we live in a litigious society. Uh, you know, you're not going to just give free reign to some novice who's never used a table saw before. So, yeah. you, you know, you got to you got to figure out ways of like chisel work. Or, you know, here's how you use a coping saw to cut a dovetail or, or a dovetail saw to do, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I think it's just, it's easy pickings if you have the wherewithal to build up a catalog of coursework. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. That, that is not a bad idea. That would be something I might consider. What The only thing I think that would make me hesitate would be the fact that my shop is connected to my house, right? That is one thing. I think it would be a lot easier and a lot safer potentially if I had a separate facility. And I, and that's something mm -hmm. I've considered in the past too. But um, yeah, it's yeah, definitely I mean, not a bad idea. If I if I give away my like ultimate plan with my business, obviously I'm a, a huge fan of the Shaper Origin. And if anybody out there has actually used that machine, you know that it is about as user-friendly and as safe as a power tool can be. You'd have to do something right. terribly wrong in order to hurt yourself with that. Um, I really do have a plan of trying to get five or six of those into my shop so that people can come in and use the tool to make their own thing. And I teach them how to go about operating the machine rather than me making it for you and having to charge all that labor and everything involved to do it, you can come in and we can make it a weekend class. And for, you know, 50% of whatever the cost of the item is, you walk away with something that you have made using my equipment. I, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to make it a reality, but that sure as shit is the goal. That's what I'm aiming for. Well, that's, that's, that's not a bad idea. That's actually uh, pretty cool. Yeah. So, man, there's one. There's something I, I wanted to talk about that's been on my mind. Um, I don't know if you're if you uh, watch the news or are aware of what's happening in the world lately, but it's all fucked up. Jerry. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's not going well. Yeah, the the world is doomed. Yeah. We're all headed down the toilet. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm gonna cash in my 401k, a ton of hookers and blow, and I'm fucking out. <laughs> but in the meantime. Uh, I want to bring this up because I want your opinion, but I especially want the viewer's opinion and the listener's opinion. So please, if you're listening to this, tell me what you think, because this is, this is really has to do with you mm -hmm. guys and ladies as consumers of content and as followers of so-called influencers, right? 
first of all, I don't know what it's like to be an influencer. I've never influenced anyone. I can't even influence my kid or my yeah. wife. Teachers are anything. the original so, influencers, by the way. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, off my soapbox. So when influencers get political, so the question is, is using one's platform, and especially if you have a large platform, to espouse or advance some kind of a doctrinal agenda, be it political or religious or whatever, mm-hmm. is that a wise thing to do? Is it even an ethical thing to do? One of the things that really made me started making me think about this is someone who I'm sure almost everyone listening to this will know. Her name is Tamar. She has a channel called 3x3 Custom. She's got 764,000 subscribers on YouTube, 218,000 followers on Instagram, 36,000 on Facebook. And she's a young lady of Jewish extraction who has family in Israel. And I don't know if you know, have seen what's happening on college campuses here in the States, but it's pretty disgusting. Uh, look, I'm not, I'm not going to take a stand on this, but she's been posting about it at length, literally dozens of stories and posts about what's happening in the Middle East right now. Um, she has, by her own admission, alienated thousands of her followers. Is it brave? Yes, definitely. Is it wise? Debatable. I don't know, probably not. Debatable. <laughs> right. This is something she obviously feels strong about. And this is something that she obviously feels is worth taking a stand on. But it's a little different than if I took a stand or if you took a stand on something. Because, I mean, we have very a, a small audience compared to her. She has a large audience. And, and well-deserved. her. And she's incredibly talented. Yes. Well-deserved. She's, <clears throat> she's very talented. I'm very proud of her. She's, she's an amazing lady. Um, but she's built that audience based on her woodworking content. And now she is feeding that audience something that they didn't sign up for. Unrelated. Right? Now, I thought of another example, a friend of yours and mine, her name is Mila. Mm -hmm. She's Ukrainian. She has family in Ukraine. She's from Ukraine. She has a channel called Geometry Build here on YouTube. And she did a video, and she speaks about this often, about uh, Baltic birch plywood, and the sources of Baltic birch plywood. It points out the fact that a lot of woodworkers are ignorant about where that plywood comes from. Even though even though we have an embargo against Russia on imports of plywood, a lot of people don't realize how easy that is to get around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Russia has great trade relations with Vietnam, and so do we. So a lot of that plywood goes through Vietnam now, but it comes from Russia just like it always did. Mm -hmm. And for pointing that out, she's taken a lot of flack 
because she points out, rightly so, that every dollar that you spend on Baltic birch plywood from that region is funding a genocide. Yeah. That's a hell of a message. And, And before we go any further... Just way to have one hell of a backbone, and if you're going to say it, defend it. And yep. from, from what I have seen, she, you know, she is arguing her point and is holding her ground quite well against a lot of ignorance right now. Yeah, she she has brought this up to a lot of larger influencers to try to get them educated, so to speak. And then, you know, there are examples we can we can really think of from other walks of life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of sports, right? When Black Lives Matter started and LeBron James came out and talked about it, uh, one of these dumb blondes on Fox News, you know, told him to shut up and dribble, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, stay in your lane. Yeah. Way to way to marginalize somebody who probably lives the thing that they're talking about. Way to go. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, th- and then think about uh, Colin Kaepernick who, who blew up his career knowing that he would. Yeah. Martyred himself for the stand. cause. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who say, you know, stay in your lane. Give me the woodworking content. I don't want to hear about your family. I don't want to hear about your troubles. I don't want to hear about, you know, yeah, and I think that's easier. I mean, what do you think, to, man? I, I don't know. I think that's easier to do because, um, again, to harken back to the Wood Talk guys, they were talking about how they earn an income and how a lot of people are starting to at least accept the fact that content creation is a way of earning income, and you can you can legitimize it as a business model. But there is still a large contingent of people out there that don't accept content creators as legitimate business people. And when you decide that you're going to press record and you're going to upload a video, it is so easy for people to just jump right in and make a summary judgment and may not be a a follower or or a, a regular follower of your content or your channel and rake you over the coals for for i mean when you get into an issue like what's going on in the middle east right now that's incredibly divisive in and of itself um when you start talking about race relations that's incredibly divisive um you know the whole issue that we brought up with uh the plywood thing i would be willing to bet that the majority of people that are going to be naysayers are going to just say it's fucking plywood. Who cares? But it is a major source of revenue for a country that is illegally invaded another sovereign nation and is committing all sorts of atrocities. And, yeah, you know, I, for those of us that live in Western democratic nations, we have ingrained in us and instilled in us the belief that we have the freedom of speech. And that is absolutely true. But you mm-hmm. also have to take responsibility for what you say. And if you're going to go outside of your lane, so to speak, you got to be willing to fight the fight. You can't just let it dangle right there and be like a, a, a vapid, 
or or a half-hearted measure just to to float it out there and feign support for something like if you're going to say it you got to walk the walk and talk the talk and from what i've right. seen the 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 influencers in our 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 niche that are doing this they're backing it up so more power right. to them if you're going to say it back it up yeah. and screw the naysayers piss on them i mean one thing you can say about tamar and mila is that you know they didn't just change their avatar mm -hmm. and put up a community post thoughts and prayers yeah that half-hearted shit right they're yeah they're they're all in they're speaking truth their truth their truth whether or not it's yours yeah right whether or not it's yours or mine that's not the point here they are all in it so um you know I, I was talking to a friend of mine matt him and his son have a channel here on youtube called friday workshop and he had an interesting take. So he said, I tend to stay away from religion and politics and sports because a lot of people <laughs> consider sports one of the other religion two. or politics. Yeah, <laughs> which is true, right? I've worn I'm look, man, I'm wearing Red Sox gear right now. I've worn Red Sox gear in my videos, mm -hmm. and I and I've had a couple of Yankee fans even mention it, right? So, you know, I, I and I know that you've made even made videos about like the Oakland A's, which, yeah. which is your favorite team. And I got called and a whiny A's gear before and everything. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, right. So that that was something I never thought of. I wonder how many people were pissing off by like repping for our team you know? i mean yeah, i mean we just live in a divisive world i mean hell uh, how many we times have, have you gotten shit for using a particular brand i know i've gotten shit for busting out a domino it's like anything any little thing that somebody can gravitate towards to you know poke you a little bit just to see if they can get your goat up you know it's just like shut up dude but the the this the serious issues that are being brought up by these quote unquote influencers in our niche are worthy of discussion they really are right. whether or not i use festival yeah. as opposed to a biscuit joiner like go fuck off <laughs> honestly piss off <laughs> delete that comment i'm not right. you're, you're not even worthy of me keeping you in the comments go fuck off <clears throat> Yeah, man. So it's an interesting thing to think about. So you guys, tell us what you think. So, you know, do you think that, I mean, do you think that the influencers that you listen to, that the people that you admire, that the people that you follow on social media or that you've learned from in the past, what do you think when they kind of go out of their line like this? What do you think about when they talk about, you know, politics or religion or whatever i mean is that something that that bothers you is that something that you know is how it, do you feel about it yeah is it something that's slightly welcoming because it is a little bit different like it's out of left field and you weren't weren't paying attention or, or weren't ready for it and it it all of a sudden does capture your attention yeah it, it's an interesting question to ask for sure i can tell you one th i can tell you one thing for sure that i have learned from following all these stories that Tamara is posting is that arguing with people on the internet is futile. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh -oh. she, she's, yeah. 
she, she's getting she's definitely getting off off her chest but i can guarantee you something that she's not doing is changing anyone's mind because people don't change their mind on the internet yeah. it doesn't happen it's always no. been my biggest like to bring up the whole politics religion and sports thing it's one thing to have right. an idea you can influence to use a phrase and, and maybe change an idea but when somebody has a belief you ain't changing that shit it's that is ingrained right. in your core as a human you will not change that belief so there it, it is futile you know there, there's no point in doing it no point in trying one of the things that i think makes it dangerous is that people seek out points of view that reinforce their preconceived notions and when someone is in their face giving them a different point of view it's like oh i didn't ask for that yeah don't it, don't it, don't talk don't talk to me about an an alternate point of view that i don't understand and don't appreciate that, yeah we, that we, is not we live in I'm an interesting for. time where a person's honesty is uncomfortable like yeah you can't say certain things because it will be off-putting um that's an interesting aspect of our world that we live in these days. Yeah, absolutely. So, man, now mm -hmm. it is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Video spotlight. Video spotlight. There we go. Who's up first? I forget. <laughs> Did you? You go first. Okay. You go uh, first. Okay, I'll go first. So, there's this kind of little no-name YouTuber uh, who I know who puts out a Halloween video every year. His name is Steve Ramsey. Never heard of him. Never heard of the guy. No. He, me neither. Hmm. Hmm. No, woodworking for mere mortals. Everybody knows Steve. So that's just a joke. Uh, and the, his video, his annual tribute to Halloween that he does every year, I made a sword to destroy evil influencer clones so <laughs> he's done this every year for like i think this is the 15th year in a row it's an institution a halloween yeah it is it is one of those it is one of those youtube institutions for sure mm -hmm. and they get better every year but he really outdid himself this year uh i think this is probably his best effort yet um the thing i love about this is that it makes me smile to see probably the sweetest, most mild-mannered gentleman on the entire platform turn into a homicidal maniac. Just go absolutely year. nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just crazy. The last guy you would ever think that would it, be into, like, and horror it's and so gore. tastefully. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's cinematic. The blood looks real. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he doesn't hold back, right? I mean, he's not like just doing jump cuts and stuff. He's got blood and guts and stuff flying all over the place. It reminds me of, this is strange. The kind of people I think sometimes that are into this genre of entertainment, right? So when I was in my 20s, this was a, a lady that I dated who I actually still know. And so she's my age, and she still loves horror movies. But this was a girl, the sweetest, went to church every Sunday, strict religious upbringing, good Catholic girl, short bob haircut, 
kind of if you were walking down the street, you'd expect her to be carrying a Bible. <laughs> and she's probably in those horror movies, the only one that would survive. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, we would go to a video. This is, of course, back in the eighties, right when people went to video stores for entertainment. And she would walk into the horror section, and she would want to get the most goriest, disgusting, bloodiest, guttiest <laughs> horror movies. And she, we would bring them back, and I'd be like, "What is this? <laughs> How do you she sleep at night?" Yes. Exactly, and she would be just loving every second of it. I'm like. How can you deal with this? And she still, she actually um, still loves horror movies, and I'm still friends with her. And uh, and she um, actually writes horror fiction. <laughs> so, and she is like the most straight laced lady, like middle aged lady you'd imagine. So you know, it's so yeah. So it's the it's it's a weird thing, right? And and uh, Steve will tell you, and he's told he's mentioned this before that, of course, you know. The woodworking demographic, for better or worse, tends to be older, conservative, straight laced, mostly white, mm -hmm. mostly very straight laced. And so they follow him for that. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they get this. <laughs> and he, and like, he says he loses hundreds of subs. From he's, these. he's got that. He pentagram. Do shit. Yeah, he's got that pentagram sign. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, it didn't show up in this video. Uh, no. Yeah, he's got that pentagram sign, and that just like pisses people off to the nth degree. I, I think it's hilarious. When you got oh, yeah, one point yeah. nine million yeah, subs, yeah. like oh, it's a few hundred kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, he will tell you that these are the they're the least watched videos that he mm -hmm. does, and they are the videos that make people the angriest and loses him the most audience, and, and he yet, does not care. And, he, and I love he that does too. It every single year, and it gets better and better. Fuck it. You're not yeah. gonna, or this video isn't gonna be monetized. Oh fuck! <laughs> best ending ever. <laughs> Absolute best ending ever. The, this may be the, the first f bomb Steve's ever dropped on his channel, too. Right? And I swear to yeah, God, I, I had to watch it twice because I didn't catch it the first time. <laughs> I had to go, and I'm like, all right, I already seen him, you know, go for the walk and everything with the carpenters playing in the background, which is another brilliant move. Just going big middle finger. I don't care, but. Yeah, right at the end. Well, was, you, know, you know that he's gonna, you know that he's going to get copyright oh, copyright yeah. striked for that. Who cares? He doesn't. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. I mean, he's already probably got fifty thousand on it right by now, and you know he doesn't give a shit. But yeah, when he drops that f bomb right at the end of the video, I was like, oh god, <laughs> that is so sweet, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. All right, man. So what do you got? Mine is nowhere near as funny as Mr. Ramsey's video, but it is poignant. Um, it comes from GT Woodshop. Why is hardwood so expensive? So Graham is his name, and he is in Cornwall, England. Yes, another foreign channel from Mr. Wilson. <clears throat> one, um, one of these days, <laughs> one of these days, Jared's going to pick an American channel. One, one of these days. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, I, I've been a, a, a viewer of GT Woodshop for quite a while, I don't know, a couple of years. Um, and I like what he does. He's very mild mannered, much like Steve. But I mean, he, he's just that like quintessential, very polite uh, British just maker of things. Um, and he's incredibly talented. 
but the video that I'm I'm recommending was slightly rantish, although done in a very polite way. And he is making the observation that he's having difficulty sourcing hardwood lumber at reasonable prices. And like for, everyone, like everybody. <clears throat> and and for most of us, we would go like, yeah, no shit. OK, we get it. Um, you know, inflation is what it is or, yeah, trying to get a boatload of Ipe or teak. Yeah, it's not like getting pine. Um, but what was interesting about it and was one, I have noticed that in moving up here to Spokane that I have seen increases across the board, pardon the pun, of about 40 percent. Um that that prices in three years have gone up 40%. And the comment that I left on that video was I totally sympathize in that in the last six months or so, I have lost maybe a half dozen custom commissions that would have been very large paying jobs, not because of my labor cost, which if I'm being honest, is is very low comparative to what other people talk uh, or, or what other people advertise as their labor costs. But I've lost the jobs because people just don't realize that the price of lumber is ridiculously high. And, you know, when you say you've got a, a $3,000 budget to build a table or whatnot, and I know that my labor is going to be at least 50% of that, and I price out the material costs and the material costs blow your budget. You know, I've got one of two options. I either greatly reduce and undervalue my labor, which I will not do, or I lose the job. So I left that comment on Graham's channel and just said, like, look, man, I get it. it this freaking sucks. Um, it's, uh, I guess, another reason that we all should be a little cautious of getting into the woodworking business. Um, but I mean, he just, he talks about how he gets the price down and how much volume he has to purchase in order to get to that sweet spot for pricing. And it's like, dude, you are buying four or 500 board feet at a time. I don't go through four or 500 board feet in a year unless I'm doing full custom commissions. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And it, it, it really it really is a message that I think more and more woodworkers need to articulate to the audience. You know, people that are building these cathedral miter stands, miter saw stands. If you don't know what you're looking at, you're looking at six, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars worth of fucking plywood. Um, yeah, sure. really cool. But do you really have the budget for a cool box for your saw to stand on? You know, do you, <laughs> right? Absolutely. It, it's become you know part. Sorry, go ahead. Part of it is that you know how prices work, right? Mm -hmm. So they they're sticky in the downward direction, right? Prices go up fast and they come down slow. You know, the pandemic was a great excuse to raise prices. Jack them up. And those prices, it's going to take a long time, if ever, for them to come back yeah. to what they were pre-pandemic levels. They may never come back to pre-pandemic. You know, when I pandemic levels, when I teach basic economic concepts to my high school kids and they always talk about price versus cost and they get the two interchanged and use them incorrectly, a price is nothing more than an indicator. 
And right. if there are knuckleheads out there like me that are willing to pay 50 or $60 for what they consider to be a quality sheet of veneered plywood, and it turns out to be absolute trash, I, I mean, who's to blame there? The, the person who produces it yeah. or the sucker to who, who uses it? Um, the sure. same thing, same thing with lumber, you know, with, I pay, I pay almost $18 a board foot for eight quarter walnut. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't use it yeah, anymore. It's all the money. Somebody says, I want walnut. I said, great. You're getting ash and I'll stain it brown. You're not getting walnut for, that, <laughs> for your budget. It's not going to happen. Unfortunately, you know, the pandemic priced out a lot of people as far as like, custom wood work as far as the, not just the cost of materials, but the cost of supplies, the cost of tools. Yeah. Um, there yeah, was a, there absolutely. was a brief period during COVID where it was, I was doing really well because people were locked in their homes. They had a little excess cash and they didn't give a shit. They didn't have to commute. They didn't have to drive or go anywhere. Um, and they're, and they're staring at a shitty dining room table. And yeah. it's just like, I, I don't I'm like home what all that day, looks like. I can't look at this at, I can't look at this anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I went to, the same thing happened to me. I mean, pe- when people will will live around a certain thing if they don't have to stare at it all day, right? Mm-hmm. If they, you know, if they go to work in the morning, they come home at night and they're tired and whatever. But yeah, when you're looking at something all day, it's like, I can't deal with this. You get to you that know, I need, I need... Griswold level of frustration and <laughs> there, I fixed the null right. post. Yeah, you know. All right, exactly. I, I fear what what's taking place now is that the the people that are able to afford handmade wood items are the more affluent and well-to-do and the vast majority of people who would like to have those kinds of nice things they can't afford them and it's not because i'm pricing my stuff ridiculously high because i'm trying to get that ultra high-end client it's because for me to earn any profit off of it because of the cost of materials, that thing, which you think is only maybe a hundred dollars, I have to price at 350 or 400. I have to. People's yeah. People's uh, unfortunately people's uh, perception of pricing for custom projects is really skewed by cheap Chinese mass machine knockoffs on social media on uh you know i've i've had people send me email how much would it cost to do this and it and they'll send me a picture from wayfair or Mm -hmm. etsy or whatever and i know what they're charging for that on etsy and i just tell them you know i just did a reverse search on this picture i found where you got it i i i see how much they're charging and i i suspect you're writing to me because you think this is too expensive and you're seeing if I can do it cheaper. And the reason, and the thing is, I can't. I can't. So I won't even give you a price. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was exactly the response that Graham gave me based upon my comment was the level of perception from the client does not reflect the, the cost of materials, the pricing, the skill, all of that kind of thing. Um, you know, when we live in an age where things are mass produced as inexpensively as possible, I guess the only route we have if we're trying to do custom work or semi-custom work is we have to cater to those ultra high-end clients. And I just don't enjoy working for those types of people. I really don't. Yeah. The people who, the people understand the value of what they're paying for. Yeah. Right? They're, they're not well to they, do for they, nothing. They understand the, the value of money. <laughs> right. 
and they tend to be demanding, right? They're willing to pay, but they want the best for yeah. what they're paying, right? Yeah. And so they tend to be very demanding. They'll demand a lot of changes. They, sure. Yeah. Yeah. They, your your they, artistic uh, license goes out the window. You, they want to know every little meticulous detail and step by step by step. And I, I'm just not that guy. They want what they want. Yeah. Right? I'm not that guy for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There it is. My depressing end of the show. Why is hardwood so expensive? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, this whole show, this entire episode was depressing, right? We talked about the futility of trying to make money as a woodworker. And then mm -hmm. we talked about the horrible state of the world and how everything is fucked. And then we talked about uh, the price of, of wood. So, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, man. On that note, I, I'm just don't be a woodworker. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be a woodworker. <laughs> don't be a woodworker. Don't be, don't, don't start a YouTube channel. Nah, don't do that either. Definitely don't start a podcast. Nah. <laughs> don't meet people that you enjoy conversing with, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Go fishing. <laughs> and then get mad at the fish that they didn't bite your, your, your lure or your bait or whatever. It's all their fucking fault. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, listen, we promise. We promise. Just, just, you know, write this one off. <laughs> Tune in episode eight. Episode eight is going to be sunshine, rainbows, Disney World. It's going to be fun. Or in it's my case, be... it'll be winter wonderland because it'll be freaking yeah, ass cold. Exactly. Okay. We ever... want to see some snow in the next episode. Yeah. Our first ever uh, winter wonderland episode. How about that? Well, we're saying exactly. I have something. Not this one, but the next one will be the last one of the year. So mm -hmm. we'll have to, yeah. Okay. Adios. Over time. Adios. <laughs>